greetings to this bonus episode of the Rereading Wolf podcast. Another bonus. Another bonus. So quickly. Yes. We're, this is going to be an all bonus episode before you know it. <laughs> so we got a chance to talk to Michael Andre Driussi and about his upcoming book, Gene Wolfe's The Book of the New Sun, A Chapter Guide. Which we think is a marvelous idea to do a chapter by chapter. Yeah, yeah. Someone should have thought of that. But this was really fun for us. Um, I know, James, you've gotten to meet him before, but I've never gotten to meet him or speak to him before. So that was kind of a thrill for me because he was the first um, Wolf Scholar that I knew. Like I think I say when we talk, he uh, opened this up to a lot of people and really made Wolf accessible to a lot of people who might have read it once, but not really come back to it in a whole lot of detail. But he really kind of you know, paved a lot of ways for people to really dig in. Yeah, the Lexicon Earthus is definitely a gift that keeps on giving, Indeed. even after all these years. And I don't know if anyone's ever checked out his his similar guides for the Book of the Long Sun, the Book of the Short Sun, for the Wizard Knight. They're also really, really useful. Yes, definitely. Yeah, his serious fiction, that little thing. And then they wrote about other authors too, who, um, you know, which is a great thing to get um, extra scholarship on genre writers. Cause still there's just not a whole lot. There's more and more as time goes on in a few major journals, but there's less than I would like there to be. So it's great. Yeah. Great to have more people doing it. So next time we'll be back on track with the next chapter with chapter seven. But for now we're going to head over to talk to Michael. I hope you enjoy it. All right. Well, good. Well, I'm Craig, by the way. It says Weird Christmas, but... That's just what we call him. That's, that's... Can I just call you weird? That's, that's, another, that's another thing altogether. <laughs> well, it's it's great. I mean, I, I'll admit I'm slightly starstruck just because I have been reading your stuff forever. So Well, and I do remember you. I, of course, I, I don't recall meeting you in person. I've met James a few times, but uh, I do remember you from the list. So. Oh, great. Yeah, I wasn't super active on there. James was way more active than I was, but but no, I was I was one of those long term lurkers who would occasionally show up. But no, that was one of the I was on there back. I think I joined not long after everyone picked Long Sun names, so I uh-huh. just missed that cut. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. When you first arrived on the Earth list, um, how long had it been going on? You're asking me. Yes. <laughs> how long had it been? Oh, yeah, you because well, you were you were there before either of us, so. Well, I don't know how much longer it had been going on. I mean, that that's the funny thing about it. I, and I kind of um, I kind of allude to that at the beginning of this new book. Um, I, I can be a little bit more. The thing is, Alice talked me into it. I wasn't I wasn't really that interested in Alice K. Turner. Right? Alice K. Turner. That's right. I had just come out of the the genie thing had had gone away, and and I had you know published the book and everything. So. I I wasn't really looking for um, another community like that, um, but Alice is the one. She found it and she said, "Hey," and I was like, eh, "I don't know." <laughs> and she's like, "No, really." And I'm like, "Uh." Eh. <laughs> she really kind of pretty much twisted my arm, uh, and uh, and the rest is history because it turned out to be a, a much bigger place than the genie experience had ever been, and. Um, it turned out to be a really great thing, but yeah, I I admit full up front that I was very very skeptical and resistant to the idea of it, and she just uh, she dragged wanna, me. I don't want to hang out with people. <laughs> 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 if I just, if I get on the list, I'll be 
people and they'll, you know, talk to each other. That would, you know, what a drag <laughs> that can be. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of when you, when you must have come on. You must have come on like, what, 97, 96, something like that? Was uh, okay. Early? Hang on a sec. Hang on. I'll, I'll get, okay. uh, I did, I did make some notes at the beginning of the book. Okay. Okay, so according to according to this book that I just finished writing, well, who knows if it's accurate? Yeah, right. <laughs> this is, yeah, clearly an uh, unreliable narrator. Uh, <laughs> she talked me into joining it, and uh, that was in '97. Well, so what we were thinking tonight was we just really kind of wanted to chat. Yeah, so we just I think what we really thought we could do is, if you're up for it, talk about the book. Yeah, tell me tell me about it. Uh, well, it's a it is a chapter guide, and so that the idea was kind of to to take the synopsis and use that as a, a certain skeletal structure, and also talk about uh, literary um, tidbits here and there, uh, things that I wasn't able to use for the lexicon, but uh -huh. are still kind of rattling around in my head. Kind of how it between the initial plan and what I actually did, and then. And then how it changed as it went is that's its own thing. But uh, so that's what it is pretty much. And I, I did want it to be eventually. Initially, I thought it was going to be really just, you know, pure, pure hardcore, like uh, spoilers all over the place. But, mm -hmm. but then I backed off on that because I felt that's too much like a lexicon. Uh, and I wanted it to be just different from that. So I mm -hmm. wanted it to be something that people could, as a first time reading through, as they read a chapter or two, um, then they could read, you know, this. Or it could be if people who have already read the series a couple times, they could just read this through straight and you know, go like that. So I don't know if that's going to work out, but that, <laughs> that was the idea to try to appeal to both audiences at the same time. So, and that's that is kind of risky, but that's great. So is it organized more like little essays on each chapter, or is it a bit more like annotation? Or yeah, it's more like annotation. And um, mm -hmm. so, I, yeah, so first at the beginning of the chapter, it's the synopsis of the whole chapter. Mm -hmm. And then after that is um, basically annotation in order that it comes. Yeah. So those are like little, little entries and they develop a certain pattern, you know, like biblical, or, you know, Bible or mm -hmm. um, history or something like that. So there uh, or Dickens for Charles Dickens or Mark Twain, Melville, that kind of thing. So, great. so yeah, so the, so for chapter one, start off with the synopsis and then actually talk about the chapter title. And I get into what you guys were covering, which is that the phrase has that reversal. So mm -hmm. talking about how resurrection and death, where it's usually death and resurrection, mm -hmm. and also pointing out that the, the resurrection is bo body snatching. Um, right term for body snatching and that the death is of the two volunteers trying to prevent the grave robbing and then myth so then i talk about gule and then melville talking a little about melville and then mark <laughs> twain um talking about the how the boys are doing their when drote does that con job with the volunteers i feel like that's just straight out of tom sawyer mm. yeah um, yeah and then i point out that later on in tom sawyer there is a pivotal scene in a graveyard. So I talk about that a little bit because that's when Tom and Huck going into the cemetery, they wanted to perform the experiments with a dead cat, but then they come upon these three guys who are just uh, robbing a grave. It's like, wow, that's really quite similar to what we have here. Kind hmm. of thing. 
but then then another entry on um, on Dickens because of course that's also like the beginning of Great Expectations, mm-hmm. and then talking about the paradoxes to perfect memory, like which is which boy is the one who said wait I see pikes that whole thing, and then uh, and then uh, talking about the animal form because you know Thea's voice is likened to a dove. Uh, so she's described as a dove, while the heavy man is a, a kind of a cave bear. Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, that that dove drives me crazy because that yeah, he, I keep wanting that to be so much more yeah. to mean so much yeah, more. Yeah. Man. And then some commentary, and then finally the last one for that chapter is just talking about Robert Graves with the whole I Claudius kind of thing. So mm-hmm. now that's just that first chapter, and that is a big that's a fat one. Some of the some of the entries are pretty slim. Sometimes. It's so thin that there really isn't anything but uh, just the synopsis of the chapter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you get pretty thick like that. Well, that's great. I was always wondered when someone was going to work on an annotation, and it sounds like you have. <laughs> so, yeah, that, yeah, that's but. exactly what I've wanted. All my, I, I want every one of his books that'll be fully annotated on the side. Like, uh, what was the, what were those large sized. Uh, books in, in children's libraries of all the classics and they mm, yeah, the, yeah. from the 19th century and over on the side you'll have definitions of all the mm-hmm, of the words right. as you go on since we've begun this you've been you've been sending us emails from time to time yeah from time to time and and when you do you'll have like a little explanation of terms or 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 concepts is it more is, is it more like that or is it more like say the commentary sections in lexicon earthus hmm that's a good question i think it's probably more like the the commentary but um i mean sometimes it, it is it does get into terms like that that's true but I don't know. I, you know, I'm trying to keep it kind of conversational. Mm-hmm. It's been a long time, and Lord knows people have been itching to have something like this out of you. What kind of made you decide? <laughs> <laughs> what made you decide to go ahead and do it? Yeah, right, right. And I, I maybe that maybe that was the moment when it suddenly it came to me, and I almost felt like, wait, wasn't that this was supposed to be the first thing? Wait, <laughs> you know, wait like wait a minute. Wait, what? 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 What, in other words, why why now of all times? Well, um, uh, now now you know I did start this about a year ago, so and um, at that time I felt like uh, it would be part of a long goodbye to Gene mm-hmm. Wolfe. I mean, I had no idea his end was coming mm-hmm. quite so soon. That I I wasn't thinking in those terms, but it just seemed like it was. Um, I don't know. The time seemed to be right to embark on this thing, and even though it was strangely, strangely formed, and I, and I, I kept refining it and refining it, even as I was working on it. But you know, it was also a great excuse to just go ahead and read the whole thing again. <laughs> That's exactly why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> I understand that. Yeah, yeah. It's like you're going to do it anyway, so you might as well, you know. And uh, as I was going. Uh, yeah, it was just, it was, it was really an interesting project. Uh, a lot of things really solidified things that became clear to me that had been very unclear before. Suddenly everything was just kind of sliding together and locking up. And, and then, I mean, there were some things I discovered. See, that's the thing is there are a few things I discovered that I thought were so great that that's why I thought everything should be just like that. And, And so my original idea for the back cover was, was look, I'll just give you the hint and I'll give you the answer. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, then don't even pick up this book. 
<laughs> I was really going to be like that about it, you know. Mantis the jerk. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, that's the problem. Is yeah, it just it comes out the wrong way. Is the thing, and so I was thinking, oh man, that's just not that's not good. And then I I decided, yeah, let's can we kind of do the opposite, you know? And then I also realized, well, you know what? I bet I bet ninety nine percent of the people who even enjoy this thing are not going to think that that thing is the greatest thing in the whole thing, you know. So I was like, okay, let's just go away from that and try to make it more. So then it was like, well, oh, is that it? Is this is the lexicon with training wheels? Is that what this is? <laughs> and it's kind of like, well, n- no, actually, it doesn't really use that much of the lexicon. I, I'm, and that you know, at first you think, oh, this will be easy. It'll be a weekend, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's not really like that. It's it's quite different. It is funny though. I mean, it's nice to have. It's nice. It's amazing to have a book that lets you return to it that way. Like I know, you know, I've, I don't know how many times I've read it, but just wanting to get back into it in that much detail. Like, I mean, we joke, that's how this started. Cause I had told James I was going to reread it and he's like, well, let's just record our conversations and we'll see what happens. Exactly. Um, but then exactly. other people have finished. Like I know the other podcast, El Zabo Soup just finished new sun and other people have told me, Oh, this is perfect timing. Cause now I just get an excuse to start over. And you, you know, it's, yeah. it's wonderful that there's something that people return to that much. And what's really interesting is that, you know, we're, we're doing the same book. And we're, uh-huh. we're doing it kind of the same way, right? Chapter by uh-huh. chapter. But the, the uh-huh. number of people who say that, you know, what we do is different. Right. I mean, I think that's the nature of the book. But I love that you're you're able to do that. And like you said, you've done the lexicon, which kind of did a whole lot of groundwork for everyone. But now to return to it and still be a similar thing, but in a different way. And it totally makes sense. It still is something that I think you're going to get definitely a lot of people well, well, the thing, honest, first off, just in a selfish way, what a blessing that I can read this book and, and still love it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, and that's what we're, we're all saying. One has a little fear like, well, maybe this time I, I've finally outgrown it or something, or, mm-hmm. or I don't know. Or, and yet, oh, man, <laughs> wow. And what a, I don't know, it's just that thing, like, People, people who don't like it, well, you know, it's just hard to explain. And they, but uh, just the whole thing where, first of all, you have to get rid of all those bad reading habits of skimming and all those speed reading tricks, all that stuff. You have to chuck it and just really, you know, I don't know. You have to adopt a, a different strategy, more like when you were first learning to read or something. And, and then, yeah. Well, I think a lot of those skills make, frankly, a lot of genre fiction readable and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But if you if you take them to this book, you're gonna you're you're gonna wonder what the big deal is about. Exactly, exactly. And that's what I think when Neil Neil Gaiman his his beautiful um, forward to that folio uh, edition, mm-hmm. which then he used kind of as a eulogy for, for Gene mm-hmm. Wolfe after his passing, where he he says. Pretty much straight up, Gene Wolfe taught me how to read. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly it. That it's not it's not how to read like as a child, but the way to do it. You have to slow it down, you have to pay attention, and then yeah, it all just I don't know, it opens up in these Yeah, yeah. And then reread it again. Do you mind if I ask, do you remember what your first 
how you got interested in Wolf. I mean, if I remember we were talking about this ourselves and I had just always kind of known his name from magazines and, and the short stories. And so he was just kind of in the air and it slowly became something that I was like, Oh, you should be reading new sun. And I remember that's kind of how it, it eventually was made to me. But do you remember for yourself what some of your early? Oh, absolutely. I absolutely, I was, because I was in high school, I had a part-time job at a bookstore and uh, I took one look at those covers and I said, oh, great, another gore series. <laughs> That's kind of like I said, this is, just, this is just what, what the genre yeah. needs, another, you know, John Norman uh, gore series. So I, mm. I was, in, immediately I just said, forget it. I'm just not, I'm not at all interested. But um, I kept going around. At that time, I was, in, I was in my Jack Vance phase and people said, hey, wait a minute. You, you like Jack Vance? It's like, yeah. It's like, you like, you like the Dying Earth? I said, yeah. And they said, oh, man, you got to read this. I said, really? Like, come on, really? And then, yeah, I started reading it. And it was, you know, it was just really, really good. And then I had to wait. I mean, because I had to wait for books to come out because the, the, the first four books weren't even out yet, right? Only the, I think the first two were out. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's how it started. And, and then I was just... And so while I was waiting for the other books to come out, I started scouring the place for just everything else. And so I read Peace, I read Island of Dr. Death and other stories and other stories and, you know, stuff like that. No, I understand. I'm still wish I still wish I could meet someone who read Shadow of the Torture and then read Claw and what they felt like after the about four or five chapters <laughs> of the Claw. <laughs> just to be like, wait a minute, you didn't finish the story <laughs> that started in the last one. I mean, I guess, although we've been talking about it, whether or not, if you're a close reader, maybe you did realize that the story ended because Gorillos told you. But I've always wondered, I I mentioned that because I'm actually in a reading group with some people who are reading it for the first time right now. And they kind of asked me to come through. And when we finished Shadow and started Claw, they were were pissed off. They were like, you know, we ended on a cliffhanger and yet we get no. Think of people who waited a year for that book to come out. That's what I mean. The people who had to wait. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, there's just something so, I don't know. For me, it just, it, that didn't bother me that much because it was just so, you, you have that cliffhanger and then what do you do? You open up on a dream sequence. Yeah. And then in that dream, you can kind of see through the, the mirror darkly, you can kind of see something that happened on the other side of the, the gate and then he wakes up. And then you just have that beautiful, just, it's just so, it's just so great. And it's so, uh, I don't know, um, so masterful. So, you know, it's like, I'm not going to waste your time with a bunch of, of handholding or whatever. And, oh, yeah. and yet that's, see, that's that strange tension. How can you be so philosophical and Proustian and yet insist that you're not going to go off on hand-holding tangents or mm-hmm. something. <laughs> and it's like, because the tangents are really going to actually be a lot more work than that is the answer. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, nobody quotes, you know, the plot elements. No one talks. I mean, the plot elements are insane. I mean, if you if you actually just sit down and describe the things that happen in these books, no one would believe someone put that in, this, in the same book, whereas we'll put them within... A, a couple chapters and, right, and just right. one after the other, after the other, or 
crazy things that happen, uh, huge amounts of plot that happened within a single day. No one quotes those. They quote the, you know, the times when Severian stops and just thinks. Exactly. No, that, and that's a good point. And in fact, that, that aspect, uh, James, that's a good point. And I should have talked about that a little bit more in this new book. So maybe this is like bonus material now <laughs> is to just say that I think a lot of that comes from um, Walpole's novel that invented the Gothic novel. That's Castle of Otranto. And the thing about that, it is so, it's exactly what it is. It's so like, it's kind of, it's like he's actually doing a very sly parody because everything is so exaggerated. Everything is so intense and he's throwing in so many motifs and it, it's it's kind of ridiculous except that it is being propelled by its own incredible energy. <laughs> you know, you kind of can't believe he's able to pull this <laughs> off. And that launched the whole gothic novel. And, 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 and mm-hmm. as, I, as I look at other novels that came after it, and I see how they more or less failed to actually to do what Walpole did because it, because it doesn't, they're taking it too seriously in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, he, mm-hmm. he has that impish, and which again, as soon as I say impish, you think of Gene Wolfe right. right there. You know, just, okay, I'm going to take all these off the shelf things. And just, you know, crank it all up to 11 and we'll just see what happens kind of a thing. Yeah. even Well, yeah. even that, if you are not a close reader, if you're just skimming, forget about it. Because every, <laughs> so much happens within a single, within a, you know, within a, a page. But maybe, maybe if we want to focus it a little bit, you talked a lot about the first chapter. Is there another favorite part of yours, either sentimental or not, from before he gets exiled that... Um, was particularly fun when you were writing the book. You know, we we had known we had known, like I mentioned before, the whole um, great expectation thing. Mm-hmm. But um, but when we have the chapter with the dog, ah yes, um, when when he meets the young woman, we later learn is Valeria. That actually maps so closely to to great expectations. I I hadn't really anticipated and so it was a a joy to to show that by big block quotes to to show it is mapping oh yeah um and it's it is just so cool (laughs) there's an example where um and you know you don't you don't normally when you're thinking about the dog chapter you're thinking about you know oh a boy and his dog as you excellently pointed Mm -hmm. out but it ends with this wonderful first meeting of the two which is just just like the first meeting, even down to the point of, of talking about the different languages and stuff. So here, I'll just read it to you. Okay, so. Oh, yeah. No, in fact, I was, <laughs> I'm over here looking things. Okay, so but no, Estella, as yet unnamed, guides Pip toward the place she calls Manor House. Is that the name of this house, miss? One of its names, boy. It has more than one, miss? One more. Its other name was stasis, which is Greek, or Latin, or Hebrew, or all three, or all one to me, for enough. Enough house, said I. That's a curious name, miss. Okay. So then Estella leads him to a strange interview with Miss Havisham. Havisham, the mistress of the house. And after a few pages, Pip notes... It was then I began to understand that everything in the room had stopped, like the watch and the clock, a long time ago. I noticed that Miss 
Havisham put down the jewel exactly on the spot from which she had taken it up. As Estella cut the cards, I glanced at the dressing table again and saw that the shoe upon it, once white, now yellow, had never been worn. I glanced down at the foot from which the shoe was absent and saw that the silk stocking on it, once white, now yellow, had been trodden ragged. Without this arrest of everything, this standing still of all the pale, decayed objects, not even the withered bridal dress on the collapsed form could have looked so like grave clothes or the long veil so like a shroud. So there you go. A place of halted time, time. a place's yeah. name, and dead languages all figure in the exchange between Severian and Valeria. Well, so isn't that neat? That's really neat. So is Valeria Estella or Miss Havisham? That's more what I'm, that's what I want to know. At this <laughs> <laughs> Neither. She's Olivia from 12th Night. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that, ab- that absolutely tracks. Yeah. That's wonderful. That makes, yeah, that makes so much sense. I keep coming back more and more. I've, I remember in one of his interviews, Wolf talks about how whenever he was stuck, he would go and pull out a piece of great literature and see if he could just, you know, borrow some of the style or redo it in a sci-fi sense just to, to take a look. And I think that may have been underplaying what he was actually doing, but at the same time, there's a lot to that and not, not quite so random as he described it, but to take a lot of those things and then retell them fits so well with so many different images, but also to be honest, fits so well with what so much of new sun is doing with how stories get retold and remeshed and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just the whole idea of, of taking these fossilized bits of literature and, and making a new, a new art with it. Mm. So what was your biggest surprise in, uh, in, in this reread to write this book? Well, you know, you know, what it was. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I was going to put on the back cover. <laughs> so, but that, that's not until much later. That's not until the, the fourth wow. book. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, that was something that uh, had puzzled all of us for a long, long, long time. And, uh, and then it kind of came to me and I kind of couldn't believe it. And then it was like, oh, man. So that's that's the one that I just feel that's the crown jewel. But, yeah, other people will be like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the trouble is that we all have our own theories. And so we're not we're never enamored. <laughs> Someone brings out some gold from. Yeah, that's right. Exactly right. And then we all say, well, yeah, but how does that work with mine? So. <laughs> exactly. That's right. It's a very utilitarian <laughs> thing. Like, how well does it work with my particular thing? And it's like, it doesn't work at all. So get out of here. <laughs> Except for when you do find those explanations or that where things just all of a sudden click into place. Like I have to admit there are um, with some of the short stories that I'd read forever. And then I read Mark Aramini's book on the stories and some of the things that he had figured out in there, it was just, it was like so clear. It was like, Oh, well that, 
that's great. Unfortunately, I feel like it solved the. <laughs> it was so clear. It was like it was so clear. I was like, ah, oh, now I know what's going on in that story, and I can't think of it a different way now. So, but no, I mean that happens all the time with wolf with certain ways of looking at things. Where for me, where what I think other people might take as a theory, like if I find one that really does explain something, it clicks and I can't see it any other way. Well, the truth is that happens to me all the time. All of these stories, they change in your hand. I, th I feel like Neil Gaiman said that once about the, is the way that they change over time. And you think you think you really understand it. And then next, the, the, you'll read it 10 years later and you say, oh, no. <laughs> so. One thing I should know, are you, is this book, does it include Earth or is it just yes. the four books? It no, does no, no. have Earth. Okay. It does Earth and it also has the four uh, shorter works too. Okay. So okay. it also has uh, The God and His Man, Empires of Foliage and Flower, The Cat. Oh, that's and really the great. Map. Oh, great. I just didn't want to clutter up the um, the title for it because it was already getting along with this whole Gene Wolfe's <laughs> The Book <laughs> of the New Sun, A Chapter mm -hmm. Guide. But yeah, it is actually um, all the New Sun material. Yeah, and, and the, a little bit more about the structure. So it goes through like that, um, so volume by volume. And then at the end of the Book of the New Sun, it has a, an area which is kind of like, this is the part that's kind of like little short essays. And they're, they're called postludes. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So this is postludes for the Book of the New Sun. So there's, I don't know, three or four of them. And um, so these are kind of, what you were mentioning before about longer form, but they're not very long. And then goes into the shorter works because I put the shorter works between the book of the new sun and earth, the new sun that seemed like the place to tuck the shorter works. Mm -hmm. So then there's the shorter works and then there's a single postlude for the shorter works. And then there's earth of the new sun. And then after earth, of the new sun, uh, there's some postludes for the earth, of the new sun. So that's kind of where the, the essays they're, yeah, they're not they're not really big essays, but they're they're more like essays than uh, most of. How them. terrible for you, because now you have to do all the other books. <laughs> <laughs> so, any difference this time with? Um, did you notice any? I'm trying to think if uh, if there's a question here, but I still have in my head a huge gap between earth and the first volumes just if for nothing else in terms of style in which they're written, which is obviously there, but when you were doing it this time, did they feel more, did they in your mind, are they pretty well integrated or do you still feel like there's a, not just a stylistic difference, but any super important differences between earth and the rest of it? Uh, <clears throat> I think, I think what you're talking about the way that I, see that is I, I compare it to there's the the series the Alexandria Quartet mm -hmm. it was a really famous series and the idea there was you had these four books and the way that the author said that the first three each one did a different dimension so it's like width length and height mm -hmm. but the fourth one was introducing time. And I think, so that's, that means that the first three, they're kind of like still life in a way. Mm -hmm. and, and they're all interrelated to each other. So you're seeing, you're seeing the same thing, in this case, Alexandria, from a, a slightly different angle, which helps to flesh out certain things and, and like that. But, but then when you get to the fourth book, now suddenly 
it just it's time so you see the effect of time changing it's no longer still life now it's like a motion picture and i think that's a lot that's how i've taken earth so if it has that difference that's why because it's it's like that um mm-hmm. it's it's moving ahead i'm just just so impressed by the the big twist the 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 different reveals the way that it it becomes so puzzling mm-hmm. even as it's you know propelling into this this different direction so i i really like it a lot and i like i say i i think that it it adds the dimension of time that the others were are kind of have a sort of a still life quality to mm-hmm. them yeah i see that i definitely see that yeah it also struck me the last time i read it how similar it is to short sun in the way it's told at least it seems to me that it's almost like the short sun narrator is very similar to the severian in earth of the new sun Ah, Um, uh more ways than i had expected to see because i always felt like i got a lot of earth and i felt like (laughs) i didn't get a lot of short sun so i was sort of surprised by that but but yeah as i as i reread earth this time that was something that stood out to me. How much do you think uh, Gene changed his mind about the story between the uh, Book of the New Sun and the Earth of the New Sun? That that's really a fascinating question. I mean, since he didn't, you know, he hadn't planned on doing it. That's uh, that's really interesting. It's it's hard hard to guess. I mean, you know, we we poke around with looking at how. What was the original novella when he when the whole thing was just going to mm-hmm. be a novella? We can so we can we can look at that and kind of figure that out. But if he thought that the the book was complete as it was, and then gets into this argument with David Hartwell and everything, and I don't, it seems like it seems like at that point the challenge is okay. He has to answer every question. That David Hartwell has. He has, in other words, in other words, he's he's calling the bluff. David Hartwell saying, "I don't think you, I don't think you got it. I think you're just, you know, making it all up or something." Right? Well, there's some things we can figure out here. Like after when the Earth comes out, okay, you can now look at Book of the New Sun. You can see, okay, yeah, he planned that there would be a flood, right? You can look at that and see. Yeah. You can say. It, it sure and, looks like it, and yeah. he must have had something in his mind about the uh, about the Severian version in the old city, and yeah. But the rest of it, you know, like in the original novella, so you have this story. It's, it's basically the same story. A, a tortures apprentice falls in love with a client, has to decide whether to betray his family or save this woman. He doesn't, he doesn't save her, but then he shows mercy and that's as much of a betrayal of his family as before. He gets exiled and then we see that this ends, he's the master of the guild. And this is kind of like that, except that, well, wait a minute, how did he get back and be the master of the guild? And so he, he kind of answers some of those questions. But if if he was answering Hartwell's questions, Hartwell wasn't asking any of the questions I was asking. So I would... Well, hang on, hang on. But 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 back to the original novella. It seems like he finds out that he gets the letter from Thecla, and because she oh, is still right. alive, yeah. and she does apologize. 
And then, then that's the real problem is like now he's in the pickle. Um, and so it seems like, I mean, Gene Wolfe doesn't say exactly, but it's strongly suggested that, yeah, he has to kill her and eat her. And that's mm-hmm. why it's called the Feast of St. Mm-hmm. Catherine, because he, he kills her and eats her. And now she's permanently in his, the cells of his body and he can mm-hmm. enjoy her whenever he wants. So, I mean, obviously that's a, a much mm-hmm. darker um, kind of a thing. Um, and you end up doing the same thing. It's just with different <laughs> motivations. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, what was the actual timeline for writing Earth? That's what I'm, I'm not sure of because I, I've tried to look back at the um, interviews and what he explains, but he knew he was going to have to write Earth before citadel was actually published isn't that right is is i am i right that part of the deal of getting sword and citadel split into two books was that he would have to agree to write earth i remember reading that somewhere but i'm not sure if that's true or not and the only reason i ask is because if that's true then there's certainly all kinds of things he still could have done in at least citadel to with an eye towards what might have to come in the next book. Cause I think there's somewhere there's in one interview where, as he tells it after Citadel was published, then he had to do it. But I, I was thinking there's something else where I feel like he mentions that it was kind of part of the deal he hashed out with Hartwell or, or whoever the publisher was that he would work on a sequel after if, if he got to split Citadel into two books, then it was going to be part of the deal to write another one. Do you know? No, I don't. My, my sense um, I haven't been looking into it, but my sense is that it was it was after stuff was already published that mm-hmm. this kind of came up. But but you're right because you're right. It must have been before the publication of of Citadel because the part that I'm remembering where David Hartwell saying, "Look, we'll just put on a little PS where it says then the new sun came and everything was wonderful," <laughs> and he's just like, "No, you're not going to do that." <laughs> and then they had a huge fight. I mean, and and if he's willing to admit it was a huge fight, it must have been really, it really yeah. must have been. Um, and then it's like, well, okay, then what? And then he sits there for a few minutes. It's like, okay, I can do it in one more book. But it was after after the thing. So as far as he was concerned, no, it's done. It's, you know, what what do you... No, you're not going to put a, a PS. And I, the thing is that it's so funny because I know exactly what David Hartwell, well, I can imagine I know what David Hartwell is thinking because um, there's a science fiction book, uh, Davy, by Edgar Pangborn, that is just like that, where it's told like um, it's a first person narrative. Mm-hmm. And it, it does end with a kind of a, well, now we're going off of here, who knows what. And then there is a, like a little PS written by, like the next person who picks up the logbook mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you can have that cliffhanger for the hero and yet you can still have a little additional, Oh, well that didn't work out or, or whatever <laughs> kind of a thing at the end uh, just so that you, you have some resolution. But yeah, I mean, since we know Gene, Gene Wolf's vision is, is far different from what, everything was being presented uh, within the book of the sun. So yeah, it's completely like 180 degrees off. I mean, you know. 
Well, he he had a very exceptional idea about endings. I mean, that that wasn't the only thing that he had. That wasn't the only ending that he and Hartwell fought about, right? I, I remember I remember thinking about um, Counting Cats and Zamzavar. Uh, a short story that I think that as far as I'm determined only is only dear to my heart of, of Wolf's short stories, but he has this one where at the end, okay, you have to be quiet. Anybody who's listening, if you haven't read it, just skip ahead about a minute, but he has the ending is that, you know, they throw her off the the boat and a shark says uh, something like, hi toots. (laughs) And, uh, and the, uh, and I think, uh, Hartwell thought that was a little too light, and uh, but Gene kind of insisted on that. Yeah, he did insist on it, but I don't think it was Hartwell. I think it was the editor oh. of the magazine. I think it was. I think it was the editor. Um, I might be able to name the name, but but why bother? It's just that that um, yeah, uh, somebody said, "Well, can we can we do something <laughs> with that?" And the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> It's the perfect ending. It's like that's the pro- the point of the whole the whole exercise is right there. It's like no, we can't change that. Well, one thing I'm curious, and this is this is maybe selfish, but I stumbled on to or didn't stumble onto, but I got turned on to uh, John Crowley from you and from the small press uh-huh. and, and people on the Earth list. And you already mentioned Jack Vance. Are there other uh-huh. writers who you would? love to spend this much time working on, but you just haven't had the chance. Hmm. Uh, I, I, I tend to do that when I find something. So like, I really, I really like the novel, uh, roadside picnic, which mm-hmm. was made into the movie mm-hmm. stalker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I wrote a, a bunch of essays and then collected that in a, a small book. So I I'm wildly enthusiastic about that. I really like the King in yellow. That's kind of had a renaissance. I probably, I guess, mostly due to the detect- true, true detective, detective yeah. which, yes. uh, which, by the way, yes. I was kind of disappointed. And <laughs> I think they had this big lead up. I thought, oh, the King of Yellow, okay. And then yeah. they did. Not only did they not do anything with it, but then they had all the characters kind of betray the, the entire story up till then. But yeah, yeah, I hear you. And yet, in a, in a sense. Um, on the artistic side, I thought maybe that's a, a solid way of dealing with it. Just leave it as a, an enigmatic uh, kind of a thing mm-hmm. rather than that was a good series. That was, a, I mean, yeah, I don't know, but yeah. So yeah, that's the thing is uh, if I ten, if I find something, I do tend to work on it. Then the, the, just the whole thing with John Crowley. And I mean, just that, that was another uh, Alice story because you know, I would talk with her and we'd be talking along and I would, I'd say, I'd make some John Crowley reference and she'd just get this blank look on her face. And I always say, that's right. You've never read any John Crowley. I keep forgetting <laughs> that. And she's like, well, I guess I have to. It's like, no, no, it's fine. It's fine. I don't know why, but it just seems like you would be the perfect, you know. And so then, yeah, when she got into it, she, she was just really, so that was a, a funny case where. I, I really, I didn't mean to, you know, pressure her, or badger her into it. It just seems like so natural. And then sure enough, she, when she got into it, she took to it like a duck to water. And and just so if for people who don't know, that was another one of your serious press publications was a book of essays on. John well, Green. actually, that's a little more complicated. We, serious fiction did the chat book form and then we, um, 
we built it up into a book and that was done by somebody else. So somebody else did the book. Yeah. I mean, that was just, uh, all of these things are a tremendous amount of work and, and you get somebody like Alice uh, Turner involved and it's like, man, I was working really hard and it was just (laughs) like, Oh man, I got to get somebody else to do this kind of a thing. So did she function as, as an editor or cause I know she, that was kind of her job. Okay. Oh yes, she did. Oh yes, yes, yes. And, and more than that, she also rounded up people. She, I mean, she went out and got, um, you know, so she, she did a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. And, and she found the publisher. I mean, she, she did all that stuff. I, I just did the, the chat book, but actually I say just, but we actually did first, there was the first chat book and then the second chat book, you know, it was, it's just right. kind of monstrous thing. It just kept growing and growing. And so, yeah, I was, I was getting pretty, um, pretty worn out from it all, but she just tremendous amount of energy. She had all the contacts. She would just ask me questions and then she'd just go, go out there and, and find people. And, and yeah, she, you know, once, once she was on the, the John Crowley wavelength and she was surprised <laughs> to find out all these people around who were, Oh yeah, I totally know about, Oh yeah, I'd love to write something. And so, you know, so it was just stuff was going on. So um, yeah, that was, that was really something. But wow, the production uh, still, I mean, I got out of a lot of it, but there was still a lot of stuff I had to do. It was like, Oh man. Uh. Well, I do know that, you know, I appreciate all that work. And I know tons of people, all the things that serious fiction did, your early chat books, both for new sun and long sun and wizard night. I mean, in addition to, of course, lexicon, but I mean that I feel like, you know, you were the, the first wave of people trying to make, I mean, honestly, I feel like that made a lot of wolf more accessible to a lot of people. Thank you for your kind words. No, I mean, truly, I don't know. I mean, I think there are a lot of people who turned to lexicon and because they had that, were able to go further with new sun than they might have. They might've read it and then been like, that was fun, but it was kind of confusing. Um, but because of all that, I feel like it was, it, it made a lot of people take him a lot more seriously. Um, just because they had time. Well, so. thank you. And I am and like, like I was describing this new thing. I, I really hope this new thing will allow people um, who've, uh, you know, either been just put off by the, like we say, aura of difficulty or something. And, uh, and if they want to have this, um, I hope that does uh, bring a new group of people um, that are curious, especially now with his, his passing. Uh, now he's all in the news and people are talking about him and maybe uh, that could um, help, help them along in such a way. But uh, we'll, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I still go, I still go back to Lexicon Earthus and find things that discover things that, you know, that I hadn't known. I kind of anticipate this new book will be like that. I mean, I, as I, you know, on chapter, what was it? Yeah. Chapter four with uh, Triscola, I, I read in your, in the commentary, Oh, look, this quote comes from 12th night. And well, now I know, now I understand. (laughs) So yeah. And that set you off on your new, your new crazy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I always need a new one. (laughs) Okay. So here, here's a, here's a thing then. Um, I was being kind of vague before about how certain things that were always nebulous to me are suddenly just like rock solid and clear. So here's, and, and we were talking about the lexicon. So let's talk about in the first edition, I got a lot of flack for my um, talking about Kim Lee's song, right? Right. Okay. 
So now we're going to talk about Kim Lee's song. This is my new interpretation. <laughs> okay. Curiositas. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the thing is, Kim Lee's song, we know, because Jonas says it was, a, it was a common name back when he was a boy. So it's a common name. In other words, it's not that it's an unusual name. It is an unusual name now in Severian's time, uh-huh. but, but back then it was a common name. So it's not necessarily a name we would recognize. But here's the point that I wasn't grasping before. It's a common name that Jonas recognizes. He knew that guy. He knew Kim Lee's song. He knew him because they were on that same ship. And so, so then when the little girl talks about, oh, when they buried the navigator, remember, we all love that part. Uh-huh. When they buried the navigator, everybody wore black when they, when they buried the navigator. The navigator was Kim Lee Sung. He was the one. He's the one guy from the same ship that Jonas was on that came back and crashed. Oh, he's his old friend, the navigator. And then, and, and you know what? That actually clear. Okay. Yeah. So, mm. so I had at times I thought maybe, maybe Kim Lee's song is like the name of, of Heathor. Cause Heathor also has a name that we don't really know a hidden name. Mm-hmm. I thought all sorts of things. I thought, I thought, in fact, in the lexicon as it stands, there's a, I trace those parts where it seems like, Oh, Keithor and Jonas had served on the same ship. No, Severian suspects that, but no, they did not. I don't think they did. They're from the same era. But the thing is that Jonas went up in a rocket ship and came back in a rocket ship. And the port wasn't there anymore. That's why they crashed. Mm -hmm. The port is gone. The port is Citadel Hill. So they crashed, but we know that ships still come, but now they come by sail. So what happened is during the, the Galactic Empire period, the rocket ships were being used, but then it transitioned to the sails that don't need the, they don't need the port. The, the, the sails can land anywhere, apparently. And so, so that's why Jonas comes back to the old home world and there's not even a port. And then they crash, and he gets damaged and then repaired with biological material, and then the crew scatters. And he's not really clear until he meets the descendants. He's not really aware how long he's been walking around in the Commonwealth. That's what I was going to say, yeah. But it's been over 140 years. (laughs) Or something, yeah. Well, that actually clarifies it, because when I was rereading Claw, actually just recently... Uh It struck me that I was confused. Like, why does Jonas then freak yeah. out? Like, because he starts to have his breakdown. Yeah. And I was like, he's known that he's back. He, yeah. he talks about, you know, he knows all this stuff. And so I was trying to figure out, well, what's, what about coming to the antechamber? What happens that actually makes him flip yeah. out? That would make yeah. sense because he finally sort of has this, this sort of self-realization mm-hmm. yeah, of how long he's just been wandering. 
that would make sense because otherwise I'm like, he knows what he yeah, is. He yeah. knows, he knows about that. This is earth, but, but in the future, but it's not the fact that he's, it's not the sort of relativity travel that's messed with him. It's more, it's that right. It's that he's spent all this time since he crashed yeah. and it's all finally coming. And to, here to was that he finds the traces of his friend in his own yeah. memory. And it's like finding your friend is like, in a block of amber or something where it's like mm -hmm. you've got his descendants <laughs> like while you were yeah. wandering he got stuck in this tar pit and had these babies and then the babies had babies and so on but craig i'm, I'm with you and this is another part that i i, I uh it's sort of more bonus material because <laughs> what you're talking about yeah there is something there is something i need to push a little more there's something about the antechamber, the structure of it, that is freaking him out. And he says to Severian, mm -hmm. don't you recognize it? And the question is, is he tripping out that he thinks that Severian was on the rocket ship? Or, or does he know since Severian is from the place where all the rocket ships are, that he might know from lore there, there's something about the structure? It's not, it's, and it's somehow connected. It's somehow connected to the old port, which means yeah. what? Is this, is this ground control? Is mm. this, is this mission, mission right? control? I mean, Cause it's, it's gotta mm. be away from the blast site. That's the first rule. It can't be anywhere near the, the, the danger area. So maybe it's his thing is like, don't you recognize this? This is, you know, yeah. It's that kind of a thing. Like, can't you tell from the architecture? Doesn't this just like remind you of home? And Severian's just like, ah, ah, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. So, but there's, there's something, there's something where he, he seems to be thinking Severian should recognize it more than he does because he doesn't recognize it at all. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. there's that weird sense that maybe the navigator and it might be because he's the navigator, found his way back to mission control, and then they popped him into the antechamber. And Jonas does seem pretty confident when he's looking for the mirrors, right? When they're wandering around. He's, well, he, he seems he, to be, and I know that would be something different, but he does seem... He seems, he seems confident when he sees the weird symbols. Right. That, and so right. that seems to be the earlier writing form. He's, he's almost like saying... I can read that. And Severian's right. like, ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, that's wonderful because that is, that makes a lot more sense and actually puts a path to, to figuring out what was Jonas. Cause yeah, when I reread it this time, I was like, oh, I had been making these assumptions about Jonas and what he was realizing, but I realized I didn't know what it was, but that, okay. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Now I have something. All right. Here, here, here's another one. Here's another one. Um, we were always, wondering about um, the wall of Nessus and why it was built and how does it relate to the story of the woman with a handful of beans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we argued about this for so long. <laughs> but now it seems very clear to me. And again, this is Jonas's talking. And so you read Jonas's story and if you read it as being because Severian kind of understands that this is personal history. So Jonas is saying, yeah, 
the hill was where the port the port was and you know the rulers of that day were far worse you know than the autark mm-hmm. and and everybody was just going along until this woman came down and said you know you're going to do what i say or, or i'm going to put these in the ocean and and they had her just ripped into bits and then but then like you know talk about how many cliffhangers does that cliffhanger have right because then his story gets interrupted but the reason why he's telling that story is because Talos has just been revving up the fear factor for the women by telling them ooh scary scary ooh scary <laughs> scary right and he's he's already fallen in love with the one woman so he's trying to say look actually i know what this is about so here's the thing he was there when the wall was built see again that shows how he was there when the wall was built and then when he came back the port wasn't even there anymore so he's saying the reason why it was built i'm claiming here is because of that woman that they said all right that was a close call next time somebody comes with black beans we might be not be able to catch it so fast so we have to have this containment wall around it and everybody is watching for those black beans so that's all they're watching for the black beans it's as simple as that and it's as as antiquated as that too that and that's what that's why he's trying to tell that to the women saying don't worry they've been They've been doing this since before the first autark. They're looking for a very specific contraband and quite honestly, they're not it's not going to happen because well, he could even go further and say if anybody wanted to land that they could they don't have to land at the port anymore, so the whole world gets blown up anyway. <laughs> right. It's all <laughs> built on it being the port as the only entry point. See, that was that and that that's part of his story. That's why when he comes back and there's no port, they, they have to crash it. But So there was only one port, and this is the containment ring around it, and these beast men are there 24-7 watching for black beans. <laughs> <laughs> keeping things in rather than keeping things out. Exactly. See, exactly. And that's why it has nothing to do with Abaya, Erebus, all that stuff. Absolutely nothing. It's all about keeping it in, and which means it's not about protecting Nessus. Nessus could be the collateral damage that's required to save the rest of the planet. <laughs> it's like if things go bad, then we'll just you know liquidate everything to save the whole world. That that puts pieces together. Now I still have to admit I always assumed that the beans were something about Undines or Erebus or Abaya or something you. like that. I mean, just because she says you know, I'm going to throw them in the water. And then, you know, so I, I guess the other part where he could be saying, you know, don't worry about it anymore is, is basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so whatever they're, they're looking for, you know, they found a yeah, different way yeah, to get there. Yeah. No, I, I, I too, I remember that was, that was part of our uh, thinking in the way back. And another, the first time I ever read it, my first reaction was, I thought it was ice nine from Kurt Vonnegut. Cat's yeah. Cradle. Yeah, exactly. So, but, See, when was I? When was Ice Nine? When was when was Cat's Cry published? In the sixties. Yeah. So he was. Yeah. Wait, spell that one out for me because I'm not sure. I I remember. Okay. Well, uh, the idea of Cat's Cradle is that uh, he has this little bit of liquid, and that it when you put it in the water, it causes 
all the the water to cause a chain reaction. All the water freezes. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, okay. it turns into this substance gotcha. called ice nine. And so when they, you know, then the mad scientist decides, okay, fine, we're just going to end the world by chucking it into the ocean. And then there you go. It just freezes up everything. Okay. Um, okay. So that's how I, I mean, you know, a handful of black beans, it, it has a, a lot of great uh, fairy tale and mythological stuff to it. Mm-hmm. But on the genre side, I always thought, oh, yeah, that's Ice Nine. <laughs> but, but like we're saying, the point is she says, I'm going to chuck it into the ocean. And they're like, no, you're not. In other words, it, she's not saying, oh, I'll chuck it into the river. She, she, she has to get it over to the ocean. And so they're like, mm, okay, they managed to tear her up the bits. And then they're like, okay, now we're just going to put a big old containment wall. So if anybody with the, the stuff trying to, to go out, then we're just going to do the same thing. But the wall, the, the wall still kind of bothers me because it's only on one side, right? He doesn't, I don't, he doesn't get to do that when he's coming in from the south. No, it's there. It's in the south. Oh. When he comes in from the south, though, uh, he's in the a boat on the river. So we don't. We have no idea what what it's like. Um, well, Talos has said because remember James, we argued. We were talking about right. names of the gates of them down and, there. Yeah. Yeah. There are there all the other yeah. gates. That's true. Yeah. So they must be. Yeah. yeah. But right. if you can just sail your boat down the river, then it's a pretty shoddy wall. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a. Definitely more interesting because I've been definitely thinking about, you know, the tall wall in order to stop undines coming up and attacking the city, which we know they mm-hmm. can't really stand up anyway. So I, yeah, which wouldn't make sense, but that would, that would be. Better. Yeah. Well, and when you consider how much, how much mm-hmm. land is between the walls and any sea to the North, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as far as protecting yourself from a bio. Yep. Right. And I, I think this is just another example of just showing how um, you have people that are still doing their their job long after. Yeah. Really? I mean, mm-hmm. it's like people mm-hmm. are just on autopilot. Like it doesn't even it doesn't even apply anymore. And yet all that structure is still in place because, well, it's it's built to last uh, both in the physical sense of the wall and in the biological sense of the all the critters inside of it so they're mm-hmm. all just kind of kind of chugging along even though there's there's no purpose to it and and like i say he's trying to tell the story to to calm the women down and then what do you know a riot breaks out and it's like the worst possible thing <laughs> you know just when you're trying to say oh there's nothing it's all fine and then there's just total mayhem going on and uh and yeah like you say then that becomes that cliffhanger you're trying to figure out well what what happened anyway i mean who knows uh- well, well, I think yeah, I know it, it didn't. And I think Wolf <laughs> kind of explained it yeah, at some yeah, point. This will yeah. show, and I shall explain it at the last <laughs> chapter of <laughs> Shadow of the Torture. <laughs> but he, yeah, I mean, Wolf kind of says, and he, I bet I'm sure he, that Wolf, when he wrote that ending, thought that if someone just thought a little bit, that it would be obvious, which yeah. is so typical. So. Yeah, there you go. I just want to go back and recall now. I'm going to have to stay up late and reread Jonah's chapters. Yay. <laughs> so your book comes out on November 11th. Is that yes. right? Yes. It's been off at the, uh, the pub- these, the way these things work. It must've been at the published first for a long time. How did you keep it under wraps? I haven't heard anyone talk about any review copies or. 
I know because I'm. That's how crazy this is. Well, well, this is where we are. This is what we're doing. <laughs> we just gotta do it. So don't just, don't keep, don't worry about the process. It's yeah. It's uh. It's it's sausage making all the way down. <laughs> yeah. No. It's a it's a very chaotic thing. And um, well, like I said, I I didn't anticipate I I didn't anticipate much of a, a schedule for doing it. And then. And then he died like that, and that altered things in a way. But it, it wasn't until like uh, mid-September that I suddenly said, hey, wait a minute, I better I better really get this together. <laughs> so, but yeah, now now that he, I always kind of thought that at some point he was going to bequeath his papers to somebody to put together the Silmarillion of the, of the new son. So that we, so they would kind of describe all the backstory that he, he self-evidently had 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 uh, designed in. I don't have any information on that at all. Well, I mean, I, I hear I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't I don't have any. Information. Mark had mentioned something um, about trying to find out that yeah that the, the papers were all going to the what was the University of Illinois. Some one of the branches, yeah, one of the campuses, um, yeah. And I have to admit, part of me, with the way that Will talked about drafting all the time, part of me was just <laughs> was like, I will find an excuse to go look in there and see what's available that's, if he kept anything. I mean, I don't, I don't know what's still. I mean, it sounds like worth a try, no matter what, you know. Oh yeah, but I mean, so many. I mean, looking at drafts of well-known things is obviously something that you know, scholarship does all the time, but particularly with Wolf, it seems like it would be so fun to know if, for example, his first drafts kind of spelled things out. And then as he drafted, he would decide what's going to be surface mm-hmm. story, what's going to uh-huh. be implied, what, what was a story that got turned into uh-huh. something implied. Um, that would. would be fascinating. So, I mean, it would take some of the fun out of, you know, the, the figuring and the wondering and the theorizing. But at the same time, I would love to know a little bit more about his process that way. And yeah, exactly. To see him actually work. But there's, there's still so much in there as, as far as the books. I mean, no one stops and says, Oh gosh, we know so much about Lord of the Rings. I guess I'll never read that book again. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If they do, it's still, I have to admit, part of me is still feeling a bit about like it's too soon like i don't want the, the secrets but but at the same time the part of me that you know honestly even though i met him a couple times i never knew him personally so it's just it's the more texts i mean if we're not going to get any more novels at least if we can get versions <laughs> and drafts that would be uh, wonderful. although we are getting one more novel right yeah we are getting interlibrary loan yeah that's right so yeah james how many times we, you and I were met him together a bunch of times. That must have been like, was it three or three or four times? Um, at least twice that you and I had met him. Okay, no, at least three because there was there was Chicago at C- in Seattle, Seattle, and twice in Chicago, and in Chicago because one was WindyCon, and then the other one was at the uh, the um, the the mansion. Yeah, right. That's true. So yeah, three times. probably three times. So I think I only met I. him about seven times. Yeah, we had we had some fun. We and just sharing sharing meals with him and stuff. Yeah, well, WindyCon is was definitely the best way to to talk to to Wolf because 
he was just he was just a local <laughs> over there. No one seemed to be paying attention. You would you'd see him standing in the hall, kind of pushing uh, Rosemary in her wheelchair and kind of deciding which way he was going to go, and you know, all by himself. Whereas, like if you met him, if you went saw him at Dragon Con or you know any other bigger bigger cons, he you know he was a rock star. You couldn't get anywhere near him. He was so I that I've said it before is that he he was as nice as you th- would have wanted him to be. It, it wasn't going to be a case of where you met him and you're going to be disappointed by your heroes. Funny guy. He he was just- yeah. He would I, I would I saw a panel of him once and he was the only one. And people don't know what to ask him. They're afraid to ask him because they're afraid he's going, he'll just say he won't answer the question. <laughs> and so, you know, he, so he just, he would, he would ask himself questions. So, <laughs> so have I ever told you about the time I almost blew myself up? <laughs> yeah. Well, this was really good. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh no, yeah, and we shall. We'll do it again sometime. I'm sure. Uh, we'll we'll figure it out. Um, no, but thank you so much for for talking and for for coming on and and honestly too for listening. It's kind of fun that <laughs> you know we had no idea who would actually listen to us just ramble. So we're we're thrilled. But no, the when when he told me he was like, hey, guess what? Michael sent me and sent me an email and and he listened to the thing and he responded. I was like, oh, he acts wow. But no, but thanks for doing this. Yes. And, and I mean, honestly, thank you for the books. Thank you for the writing and the work that you've oh, done. Well, you're very welcome. Thank you for your kind words. All right, everybody repeat after me. You slop the beans in the cup. You slop the beans in the cup. You throw the rice on top. You throw the rice on top. Go on and stir it up. Go on and stir it up. To make your taste buds pop. To make your taste buds pop. You slop the beans in the cup. You throw the rice on top of the black beans. Black beans. Yay!